Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joining the line later today by Tommy Ardito. Now, before we jump into this week's show, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, starting with the coaching front. Coaching is continuing to roll on. I know I've made mention a couple times here about how this is like the ever ongoing off season. And it was funny because one of my online clients, Amy, actually called me on this. She's like, you know what? Like you always say, like you wish you had more time with people. (laughs) And she was absolutely 100% right. So Amy, thank you for calling me on that. But yeah, I mean, it's been great in the sense that a couple of my people have needed bigger overhauls, so to speak, as far as how they move. And so while the process is slow, I've also had this this discussion with them like, hey man, when else are you gonna have time to put on you know, 20 pounds of body weight? Or when else would you have time to work on these hip mobility issues had that, that you've literally had since you've been playing basketball? So in that sense, it's been really great because we've gotten to take some deep dives into improving their performance, improving their movement capacity, and I think, the strides that we've made with some of these guys and gals over this offseason are going to pay dividends for a long, long time. So things are rolling along, but I did say goodbye to two athletes last week. Taya Reamer is off now in Greece. This is actually her second year in Greece, third year professionally. Very excited for her. She's playing in for a great club in a great league, and she's got an amazing spot. Man, I wish I could uh, pick the fam up and go visit her in Greece because where she's living right now looks amazing. So good luck to Taya. And then Nico Carvacho is a guy that I worked with for you know six, seven weeks leading up to him reporting this week in Bulgaria for his first professional season. So Nico is just an amazing dude, a lot of energy. And I don't know, because I haven't seen him play basketball. He's obviously pretty good because he's playing professionally. But I can tell you, if I were a coach, this is a guy I'd want to have on my team because just a great energy guy. No bad days in his world. He's the guy that's going to come in. He's going to work hard every day. But even more importantly, he's going to bring some energy and he's going to lift everybody else up. So very excited for both Nico and Taya and hoping that they go out and absolutely crush it this year. So we got the sport coaching as well. Obviously coaching both kiddos and soccer. That's been a much bigger commitment this year than it has in years past. We kind of leveled up before we were always rec league, which was one practice and one game. Now we're in what's called Rec Plus, so it's two practices and a game for each kiddo each week, which I think is a nice sweet spot. I definitely don't want or need them playing travel just yet. If it's something they want to do later on, then I'd obviously support it, and definitely not (laughs) year-round. But, you know, in season, I think frequency does help, and just getting more touches on the ball, getting more familiar with what's going on. It's like anything else. You need reps. So it's been really fun to watch both of their developments, the developments of the other girls and boys on the team. And the thing that I love about this, and I was actually having this discussion with with Kellen, who's one of my my basketball players in the morning, because he's got a, a little boy who's one, and we were just going back and forth. And I said, the thing that I love about coaching youth sports, and I hope it's not lost on them because they are young, but that the ability to teach them things about life. And that's something my old high school basketball coach used to always instill in us is that sports are a great way to learn lessons about life. And so when our girls played the other day, we played a pretty tough team and they were physical. You know, we kind of had that discussion of this team kind of plays on on that edge or that line between physical and dirty. And so I think that threw them off a little bit because this team was going to do whatever it took, right? You know, if they're going to have their elbows up, they're going to push a little bit, they're going to play really fast. And it shell-shocked our girls. So at halftime, 
we were down one goal and we just had this discussion of, look, you got to hustle, right? Like that's one thing you can always control. You can't control how the other team plays. You can't control if the ball goes in the net, but you can control your effort. And they did. They came out in that second half and man, we had so many opportunities, so many chances, got it level. It was 2-2 and then literally last play of the game had elapsed. The girls stopped running. They broke us down. They hit wasn't lucky. I mean, it was just a really nice ball. Lower 90 won the game. And so at the end of the game, we got to have that discussion of, look, girls, so proud of your effort. You played so hard in that second half. The only downside is that you played hard for 24 out of 25 minutes. And that last minute cost, cost you the game. So trying to have these discussions of, hey, look, if you're, you got to hustle, number one, but then you got to hustle the entire game. And so like just these little lessons that, again, I hope they they start to learn these things and they start to remember these things because at nine, 10 years old, maybe they don't. But I think, you know, hopefully if I'm doing my job, they're learning a little bit about the game, but they're learning a little bit about life as well. So that's been really fun. After the game Saturday, it was smoking hot. So, you know, just kind of decided we're gonna go jump in the pool. Had some pool fun action. We had pizza movie night that night, got to watch Thor Ragnarok, which, personally is as much for me as it is for them. You know, I love the, the Marvel movies and that is, it's in my top five for sure, probably in my top two or three, if not number one. It is hilarious. I think the movie is incredibly well done. I like the colors, I like the music, I like the humor. I think it's, yeah, it's just very, very well done. So that was just great. It was an awesome weekend, really felt kind of decompressed and relaxed coming out of it which was a good thing because this week was complete coach certification launch week. And I don't care how much prep work you do. I don't care how much time on your hands. This is one of those things when you kind of launch or relaunch a product, it always feels like you're forgetting something or there's something more to do. So a lot of layers and levels to that. If you've purchased cert, I appreciate it. If not, I think it's an amazing value. Is it cheap? No, Um, it's definitely an investment on any coach's part, but I think the value is definitely there, especially when, you know, it was, it was solid to start. And then I added like the nine hours or 10 hours of the workshop, which really takes a deep dive into looking at different people, how they move, how to choose the right exercises, how to coach and cue them. Didn't leave well enough alone. Then this last time just added an entire section on assessments which breaks down everything from postural assessments to table tests to movement-based assessments. And beyond even that, I talk a lot about like the questions you should be asking and how you take those deep dives into kind of the psychology of assessing and starting somebody off on the right foot. Because look, at the end of the day, yeah, they want to get in shape or they want to become a better athlete, but there's deeper levels of intention there. And maybe they don't know and understand that, But if you ask the right questions and you kind of open yourself up to being vulnerable, maybe that allows them to be vulnerable with you. And then you can start to really understand, like, why does this person want to lose weight, build muscle, become a better athlete? So I think that's that's what's interesting to me. Yeah, all the movement stuff is great, but I think how you start and finish that assessment process can really make a powerful impact on just building rapport with your clients and athletes. So excited. If you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, you could still get access to it. Go to completecoachcertification.com. If it's later than that, that's totally fine. I would go ahead, sign up for the insiders list now. I will relaunch in March of 2021. And I'm sure 
even if I'm not adding an entire new section, something new will be there or I'll edit something or I'll always be kind of coming back to this because it's my baby. And like I said up front, I want to I wanna get like 10,000 people on board with this because if I can impact 10,000 coaches, how many end users, how many clients and athletes across the globe can I positively impact with that? So, okay, my friend. That is enough for me. We're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna jump into this awesome show with my guy, Tommy Ardita. This episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Momentus. For many years, I simply disregarded the age-old advice of getting liquid protein in either during or after workouts. Part of this was due to the fact that most had so much crap in them, I didn't wanna put them in my body and others might've been high quality, but tasted absolutely disgusting. However, If you're looking for a protein that's not only high quality, but also tastes amazing, you need to check out Momentus. I've been using Momentus for several months now, and I can tell you it's hands down the best tasting protein I've ever had. But it's not just me. I have numerous elite level athletes who are very picky with their protein powders, and every one of them raves about how great Momentus protein shakes taste. And while the taste is amazing, the best part about Momentus is that they're incredibly transparent with what goes into their product. You never have to worry about a tainted or dirty supplement, as all of their products are NSF and Informed Sports certified. If you'd like to try Momentus out for yourself, head over to livemomentous.com forward slash Robertson and use the code Robertson20 to save 20% off your first order. Or if you want to try before you buy, get a free three-pack sample sent to your house by using the Robertson sample code at checkout. Regardless of which option you choose, I guarantee once you try Momentous Protein Shakes, you'll never go back to anything else. Tommy Ardito is the founder of Brooklyn Fitness, a private training facility in Brooklyn, New York. Tommy and I first met when he attended one of Bill and I's diagnosis fitness seminars way back in the day, and we've kept in touch ever since. I love Tommy's approach because he's no nonsense when it comes to both training and life, So I knew he would be an awesome interview for the podcast. So in this show, Tommy and I talk about how being a 13-year-old jerk in weights club led him to a career in fitness. What prompted him to open a gym? The links he went to to keep it open during the shutdown and why diversification is both a blessing and a curse when you're running a fitness business. This show is almost hard to describe because we touch on a ton of different topics, but I can tell you this much. It was a ton of fun to chat and record So I really think you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Tommy, thanks so much for coming on the show here today, man. Super excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, Mike, how you doing? So my name's Tommy. I have been, I've been training for 10 years now. I started in a privately owned Globo gym here in Brooklyn, quickly worked up to the training manager, which ended up being a, uh, like a babysitting job. <laughs> you know, I, I started to really look into the semi-private model. I saw people doing some great things, obviously yourself, what Cosgrove was doing out, out in, uh, in LA as well, Cressy. And I'm like, why don't we have this in New York? Yeah. You know, why are people paying between 90 and 140 for us to talk about you know, talk about pizza in between sets of pushups. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So seeing that, being the manager, having access to these numbers and, and meeting other club uh, managers, owners, you're seeing personal training having about a 3% penetration rate 
amongst members. It's abysmal. Right. It's abysmal. You might have 6,000 members, but so I wanted to open up a facility like yours in New York. No one's really doing it. So 2015, we opened Brooklyn Fitness, but then it was Brooklyn Health and Performance. We rebranded in 2017. Brooklyn Fitness opened its doors and we've had a very interesting ride as I'm sure we're (laughs) going to get into later. Yes. Yes, I'm sure we will. So before we get there, what led you to the world of physical preparation? Like how did you get started in this whole space? So in 2006, I had taken some, like, I couldn't even tell you the name of this BS course (laughs) that was, you know, to certify you for personal training. I went there, it was like some 400 pound dude telling me how to train. It was nuts. But I got certified in 2006 because I had always liked working out. I mean, I was never into sports, like say the way my brother was or or you were, but I was always athletic. Right. You know? Yeah, Absolutely. I was just, you know, I was kind of, I was, I was a jerk when I was a teenager. You know, I just didn't like, I didn't like authority. I didn't want people telling me what to do. Meanwhile, there's my brother who basically had no athletic talent, except he just worked his ass off and became captain of everything. And he was the, you know, salutatorian. So he's a freaking genius. So I was the black sheep, but I did like the weight room. So I was in the weight room club when I was like 13, you know, like 130 pounds on a, on a, on a heavy day, you know, and I got into that. So 2006, when I I had gotten certified, I was in my like second year of college at that point. And I started training some people privately in like a local Globo gym in in Long Island, you know, dude, John Bastow used to go to that gym. You remember that guy? I remember that name. Yeah. Guy used to just hog like 10 machines (laughs) with the best slash worst hair ever. Yes. And I got into that and then I had to take time off college to, at the time I was studying psychology actually, and I had to take time off college to be able to literally afford my next semester because it's insane over here. Right. And I was working at this pizzeria and they had basically framed one of the partners and framed him for stealing and said, hey, do you want to buy his part? You know, because I was making pizza for a few years at this point and they saw that I was like 19 years old. And I was like, no, because you, (laughs) you literally framed this guy. Right. And it really was a bleak, it looked like a bleak future, you know? Right. So I was like, screw this. I'm going back to school and I'm going back for sports science. So I enrolled at LIU Brooklyn in the sports science program. And then after a year of that, I decided I didn't need to pay 20 grand a semester for outdated information. So I decided to pay four grand a semester for outdated information at Queens College (laughs) and got a degree in nutrition and exercise science from there. And by then I had already started training at, at this Globo gym in Brooklyn. And that was, that was that, that started this road. I love you know, it. I started looking into certifications and looking more for mentoring. Like, you know, with you, we've worked a lot over the, over the years. Right. That's awesome, man. So you kind of already gave us your career path. So you've worked at Globo Gym. You did that. You knew you wanted to start a gym, but like, what made you want to open it? Other than the the simple fact that, you know, you thought maybe this semi-private thing would work. Like what, what prompted you to go out and take that risk of opening a gym in the first place? So the idea of being a, a business owner kind of cropped up in the pizzeria, actually. This was like a big you know, pizzeria slash restaurant, you know, like we're talking 30 grand on a Friday night type of place. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was insane, dude. And when I started managing behind, 
behind that counter. And I loved the chaos. I loved the chaos. I loved helping people out. When there was a line out the door, I used to love to like make a nice focaccia and give it out to them and be like, here guys, wait, you want a glass of wine? I liked helping, like I liked giving satisfaction to people, you know what I mean? And when I started training and I started seeing like, all right, I have this client roster. I was, dude, I was killing it. I was doing like 170 sessions a month. It was nuts. That's great. But, but you see, but you see the ceiling, you know, you've been there. Yes. Yes. How many, the ceiling is very, very visible, you know, and you're like, how long can I do this? You know, when I was 23, 24 years old, I'm like, this is cool. But like, at the same time, I wasn't like having that much fun. I wasn't going on vacations. I was, I was just going out on local benders. And meanwhile, I'm, meanwhile, I'm running into clients, dude. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like, all right. So when I started the gym, I, I really wanted to just be like, this is cool. I like the technicality. I like talking training. I love it. Right. But to own the business, to be able to direct a team of trainers in the right direction, to be able to literally impact an entire neighborhood, have people coming in and out of the doors, getting where they want. New York City is a lonely place, man. People move here. They're not from here, you know, and they move here. They don't know anyone. So if we could like be a landing place for somebody, you know, a lot of them are introverts, too. We have a lot of people they work in tech, you know, they have computer jobs. So to be able to help these people, it means a lot to me. So that that's really why I was willing to take that risk. Dude, that's so cool because, I mean, you literally just talked about like creating your own community. You know what right. I mean? And and I think every great gym does that to some degree. A lot There's a lot of big gyms out there, right? You and I both oh, know man. that there's not, huge not short gyms. On those. But I think beyond just the X's and O's and the financials that go into running one of those, like it's really hard to create a culture and a community in one of those big oversized gym spaces. Oh, it takes time, man. Even yeah. in a small place, it takes Absolutely. time. You know, your semi-private training, like when you first started training people, you and Bill, people were probably like, it was weird for them. They were probably used to one-on-one. Right. You know, they're like, yeah. do I talk to these people? Do I not? And after a time, right. they just start commiserating on their hatred for you. <laughs> right. You know? Yes. <laughs> and they're like, I, I hate split squats. So, you know, so do yes. I. Let's go get a drink after this. Yes. You know, and it, it becomes great. Absolutely. So I really want to jump into this because I think when we talked about this before the show, there's so much more we can talk about right now today beyond the X's and O's of program design or how to best coach and cue a client. So what I'd love to know, you're like at ground zero basically here. Oh, God. What, What was your first response when the Rona hit and you found out you had to close down? At that point, for an indefinite amount of time, right? Like there was no like, oh, we're going to try in four weeks. Like it was indefinite. What was your first response? Totally indefinite. Well, when we first, when this first hit, it was two weeks to stop the spread. Right. Now, you know, you know my background. I'm I'm Italian. I have a lot of friends over there. Shout out to Fabrizio Grimaldi over there. Yeah. But um, (laughs) seeing what was going on over there, even though they were trying to tell us two weeks to stop the spread, I knew damn well, this was going to be months and months of a fight. Right. Bodies were piling up over there. And then they started over here. So the first thing that we did was I was like, we need to, we need to like, you know, winter the gym, basically we need to, we need to prepare for months and months. So we immediately just started telling our members, like start signing out equipment. We started an equipment sign out sheet, you know, and we started 
literally delivering equipment myself, Ruben and Elsie coaches that work for me. Yeah. We just got in my, uh, in my car and we just started dropping equipment off to everyone. We started writing programs. We started, we must've filmed 500 videos for our YouTube channel in a matter of a few days. I mean, we really, it was insane. Like the work that we put in behind the desk those days really showed me what we were capable of. Yep. And it forced us to do things that we needed to do anyway, right. to be honest with you. So that was the response. And I was releasing these email series called The State of the Swole and <laughs> just <laughs> updating awesome. members like, hey, this is what's going on. We were giving updates from Lucy, my partner, who was working in the trenches with the Rona, like seeing the stuff up close, being a, an infectious disease doctor. And it was no joke. You know, we were worried about people's health. But we didn't want them to stop. We we really had hit our stride as a business. Like I'm talking in February, we had our best month ever. Yeah. You know, like we were out of the woods in February, finally, after five years, you know? Right. And we really needed to keep the momentum up. So that's what we did. We just we just went into action. You know, I think that's such a common theme across all the people that I've talked to. Cause I mean, you you and I know, first off, entrepreneurs. It's a very small segment of the populations and fitness entrepreneurs is even smaller, right? Like we're so Uh, niched down. So it's a very tight knit community. You kind of know a lot of people. And what's so interesting to me is that common thread of how many people just freaking buckled down and got to work, you know, like all of a sudden, like I know for us personally, I remember we were sitting there in staff meeting and we're like, okay, we think we're going to be able to reopen. Like, this is what we're going to do. X, Y, Z. Literally the governor comes on and says, oh, sorry, you're closed for at least a month. Oh my God. And so that's when we're like, okay, time to get to work. Like as a staff, we're figuring out who we're going to contact. We're creating, uh, of course, Zoom, the real the real winner in all this. I you know, know we've got is. private Zoom rooms for each of our staff so they can go on and coach clients. But I think that's what's been really cool about this is just how ingenious we are when it comes to our own survival. You know? Right. I, I mean, mean, it's cool really, to see. Really with our backs up against the wall. And, you know, if you're if you really care about this industry, you care about your client. You care about what's going to happen to these people when they, yes. they can't come in for a couple of months. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, ask any trainer. One of the things that we hate dealing with is like someone's card bounces and we have to, you know, we don't want to talk money with them. Right. Right. We just right. care about them. Yes. You yes. know, you know how many members were like, I lost my job. I can't pay for this. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. You're still training. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. We were lucky in the sense that that we got the whole payroll protection thing. So oh, our, yeah. our staff was covered. But the great thing about that was it allowed us to pay our staff to continue to communicate with our clients. I mean, we had Nikki going live twice a day and like we freely put it out there, right? Like it was on like Facebook and Zoom. Same. We did did IG lives. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, hey, man, we're going to give something back in all this. And if we get something back from it when it's all said and done, great. But if not, like this is our way of like giving back Mm -hmm. while everybody else is struggling. You know what I mean? Totally. So- We've gone back and forth over this a lot. You know, I think we have some very comical yet lucid DM conversations on the gram. <laughs> it goes down in the DMs. Man. It does go down in the DMs. So <laughs> I'd like to think you and I both learned a lot over the last six months. So for starters, how on earth have you managed to keep the gym open? I mean, you're at five months now. Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, March 23rd, we closed down. We okay. we just opened on September 2nd. Okay. So five and a half months. How did you do it? Just like logistically. 
logistically, you know, my coaches, like they preferred to come to the gym anyway. They wanted to work from the gym. Right. So we went in there and we knew that Ruben loves the mornings. Elsie <laughs> loves the afternoons. Like, and we there just like, look, let them make their own schedule, do their own things. We had to divide all of the members up and basically make one of them responsible for half of the members and the other one responsible for the other half. During this time, you know, I've almost been hamstrung because I'm, I'm in the process of moving the gym. So that's a whole other conversation that we have to have about diversification and all that. Right. Basically, it's just about keeping close contact with the members. We kept kept running the IG lives. You know, I'm I'm logging into uh, Instagram every day just to talk to members. They gave out their phone numbers. A lot of the a lot of the members have my phone number as well, and just like seeing how people are doing. I mean, like even sometimes like listen, this ger- this is a germaphobes apocalypse, right? <laughs> right. And like for some people, this is this literally the scariest scenario for them. So like even where we're just like, do you want us to drop off some groceries at your house? Do you want us to? Because you know we're out here, right? You right. know we're out here. If you don't want to leave, that's fine. You know you need to swap out some equipment. That's fine. So really, we were just doing that. It, there was a lot of a lot of emails going back and forth, a lot of texts happening. We moved our software online. No more paper programs. We use uh, Bridge Athletic. Yep. Again, another forced change that we should have done a long time ago. Anyway. Right. How was the response to that? Like for I'm assuming if you have people in tech, like it's not a big stretch for them. Mm-hmm. But like as a whole, how did your client base respond to? Okay. We're doing everything from home. We're getting these electronically delivered programs. Now there's so mm-hmm. much change. Like how did they respond to that? Our gym is a pretty, pretty young population. I okay. would say like most people are from 28 to 55. Okay. Some people, you know, some people are always weird about like their data. Oh, I don't want them accessing my data. And then right. I'm like, then I just have the conversation of like, you're not actually that important. No one cares about you except for me, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> like, like no that. one's looking, you right. know, no one cares. <laughs> but, you know, look for those people, if we have a few outliers that want us to like get on Excel and, you know, they break our balls about that, then fine, whatever. Right. But it's been good because... I've been looking for software for a really long time that doesn't pigeonhole us and make us train in a certain template. Right. And we need to have full customization. I even looked at getting my own built and it was insane. It was oh, like, yeah. yeah, it was like $140,000 to like basically create a drag and drop database right. and template system. It was crazy. Right. This is why people outsource, you know, I hate to say it, but this is why people outsource. Yeah. You know, you can't hire an American to do this. It's, you can't. Right. It's so unfortunate. We, we, we need to change that. Yeah. 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 So we do that. You know, we're able to provide our own videos, our own video database to them. We have a chat system within the app. Oh, that's nice. We have a, we have a coach's room where we can all just speak. Nice. Yeah. It's cool. It's, you know, knowing the way that you train, it, it would work. It would work as well. Yeah. That's you know, awesome. cause you can create all your own templates and everything. It's increased, you know, we've increased our ability to write programs cause now we don't write four weeks at a time. Yep. We, we could, we could literally do a year and then just before we deliver the program, go in last minute and change anything that has changed since we wrote the program originally. Yep. That's awesome, you know? man. Yeah. So people have received it, received awesome. it really well. That's I think awesome. 2020 it's time, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I made the switch this year too. Oh, it, nice. What do it, you guys do? I, I'm using train heroic right now. Oh, nice. Um, 
yeah, and they've been good as far as quick tweaking customization. You know me, I like to have, I like to be in control of the verbiage. I want to use my exactly. videos. So that's important. Yeah, that's so important. For me, it's all about look and feel, right? It's got to look and feel like the iFast brand or like right. for you, like Brooklyn Health and Performance. It's got to yeah. look and feel like yours. Exactly. So again, in the, the IGDMs leading up to the show, we talked about diversification and how important mm-hmm. it is to diversify. And it's funny because I just talked about this in one of my shows like two weeks ago, right? Really? Gotta, yeah, absolutely. I think Dan Kennedy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's mm-hmm. a, a kind of old school marketer. Marketing guy. Yeah, absolutely. But he always talks about like one is the worst number in business, right? Like one marketing strategy, one lead source, like one can be the death of you. Like it can. So with that being said, you know, I can't agree more with you. Diversification is huge. But give me your thoughts on that. Like, why do you think that's so important nowadays? I think that's a slippery slope, man. You know, because one can be a terrible number for business, but so can anything more than one. <laughs> right. Yes. You know? Yep. We, we talk about niche stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, growing up, watching you, watching Eric Cressy, I'm like, oh, what's my niche? And I'm like, but my niche is so general. Right. But then I found out that that is my niche. Right. You know? Right. Yep. You know, like I can, if you're human, I can help you, you know? Yeah. So that's, it's important, but look at things. I mean, in the case of fitness, you know, we've all, we've all discovered our online footing, right? Yeah. That's a form of diversification. So maybe something that's, that's ancillary and hand in hand with what you already do. Once your business reaches a certain level, you need to focus on that. It's almost like you're, you need to focus on it with the effort as if you were starting over or starting another business, Yep. but not too early because your one is your most important number. I think when you first open, you know, so for us, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like we can't do, we're not allowed to do group training right now. So the Brooklyn fitness, uh, bootcamp, you know, literally isn't allowed to exist anymore. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. Now, personally, I liked the energy of it. I liked, you know, I liked having it, but numbers wise, I mean, it was one eighteenth of what we made. Right. And it split the coaches' schedules and it was started too early. Like, you know, who I was working with at the time and they wanted to start it. I'm like, we shouldn't start this until we have 90 semi-private clients. They started it at 40. And I was just like, see, now you just destroyed the whole schedule because they wanted to do a money grab. Right. Oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's an example of diversifying too early. I don't think you, I think it's a huge mistake. If yeah. anyone's listening, don't do that. You know, like yeah. really, you know, you, you're a burger place, make really good burgers before you start worrying about making a chicken sandwich. Like, yes, please. Yeah. So, but that being said, you know, a gym is not pandemic proof. Right. Now I'm coming at you as a just a person, an entrepreneur, you have a family to support. Like I just have, you know, a uh, cocaine and hooker habit to support, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't have, you know, but I have me, look, I, I want to create a solid life for myself. I spent right. the past, you know, I've been working since I was 13, you know, and I'm not where I want to be at all. Right. And starting a business is not a quick way there. You know no. that better than anyone. No. So being that the gyms are you know, not a pandemic proof business. I took another talent that I have, which is, you know, you know, I love to cook. I love yes. to bake stuff and pizza has been my thing. Like we, we yeah. went there. Pizza got me into business to begin with. Right. And just like training, I'm like, 
I, I like weaponize my autism and get crazy into it, just like I do with training. That if you change one ingredient, you ferment this thing for three days, it's going to be a different dough. You change the ingredient by two percent, it's going to be a different dough. You know, yeah. So we started developing like I, I tried to develop like an omni dough. You know, what what's a dough that can make every kind of pizza and also can make awesome bread? You know, then. I started doing this pandemic pizza pickup. Like on Fridays, I have 15 doughs. I make the dough on Tuesday. People show up on Friday. They buy it, you know, like 20 bucks a pie. Yeah. You know, and I was doing it, A, in part, it was kind of like to go to school for free, but I also lowered my salary so like I could keep my employees. Right. So I was like, all right, I'll make some scratch, you know? Right. But it was like being able to go to school for free and get people's opinions on this because I always was like, I need to open a slice shop, man. Like, that's money. My business partner, she got her whole medical de- degree paid for in cash by her father's pizzeria. Really? Like, yeah, dude. It's no joke. It's hey. no joke. So during this time, you know, I'm there's there's that route. Okay. Then there's the other route of that the gym's lease is going to be up. You know, right. we're in a war with my landlord. You've seen the struggles that the gym has had. Like, we flooded so many times. Like, it's insane right. that this man can even charge me rent at this point. <laughs> so the rent is going from 11500 to thirteen five, And he keeps doing five-year leases. I'm like, I can't make my money back in five years, man. Right. It's not going to happen. So I found another place, $8,300. 20-year oh, wow. lease across from this place, Industry City, which in Brooklyn is like a huge tech, food, and like art hub that nice. popped up in the middle of a like a working-class neighborhood. So you're anchored by working-class people. Yes. And you're bringing new people into the neighborhood because of this. Yeah. So it's only eight blocks from where the gym is now. You know, we're about to sign the lease very soon. Now, the beauty. Now, let's get into the diversification, diversification aspect. The beauty is that the upstairs is 1,600 square feet of office space because this place was a car mechanic. Okay. So the bottom is a big open warehouse style thing, you know, just like we like. Right. And the top is office space. So I'm like, let's demo this. Let's make like six or seven offices, a couple of desks in the middle to rent. Yeah. And then now we're paying the rent of the gym with these offices. You're right across from Industry City. They charge way too much for office space, like 2,500 for like eight by 12. It's crazy. And people are paying it, man, because in New York companies are downsizing. Right. You know? Right. And you have individual entrepreneurs who can't rent a storefront. Just can't do it over here. Right. So this, this type of flex space is warranted. So that, but that's another business. It's not like people are going to write checks to Brooklyn fitness for their rent. Right. You know, right. And if someone trips going up the stairs, they shouldn't be able to sue the gym. Right. Exactly. You know, you need a different business entity. It, it's going to have a cost to it. Someone's got to come in there and clean it. I got to restock like, you know, all the espresso for the nice espresso right. machine we're going to put up there and, and all like the amenities that we're going to put up there. But the idea is that the gym business is devastated in New York right now. Not not just because of the restrictions placed on it, not just because of how long we've been starved but also because of a depopulation that's occurred. Yeah. How you many know? people did you say have left it the city? It was 650,000 since March. My gosh, man. It's insane. And like now house prices are shooting up in the suburbs. Like New York City has been, we've been on this huge run since the mid 2000s of gentrification. Like 
North Brooklyn. It's not even Brooklyn to me. It's not the Brooklyn that I knew when I was a kid. It's like Disneyland. It's crazy. Right. It's so con- it's so contrived that I just go there to just entertain myself looking at people. Yo, I swear <laughs> to God, people rent children. Like there's people walking around <laughs> with strollers and you see them doing like a vlog. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they rented this child. This is not their kid. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's so insane. But, you know, they can't. But now these people are stuck here. Everything is closed. There's no reason for them to be here anymore. Right. So they leave, you know. Yeah. House prices have shot up upstate and in Long Island, like 30% over market they're selling. And they're already wow. expensive. Right. You know, so it's good for the city now. Now we're going to be seeing some like reasonable stuff, reasonable rents. You know, and but it's dangerous right now, man. Midtown is not it. Midtown is a dangerous place. Like when I was a kid, Hmm. it's like and you hear New Yorkers talk about that nostalgia. Like, oh, when I was growing up, it was so hard. I'm like, yeah, but you don't want it to be. You do not want that. Right. Right. Like, I know you want to talk crap about all these yuppies that are coming in here, but like you do not want that. Right. You know, Midtown was Mike. Midtown was hookers and nunchucks. Yeah. Got just guys selling nunchucks, like flipping <laughs> nunchucks and, and just <laughs> drugs. Dude, it was nuts. Yeah. You know? So yeah, anyway, it, I, I feel like, you know, having that office space upstairs is gonna allow us to start slow. Right. Okay. I don't want to worry about my rent. Yes. You know, New York City is the only place, you know, probably in LA you see this, maybe in Chicago, where your biggest cost is actually rent. You know, most most business's biggest cost in our business is payroll. Right. Absolutely. You know, pay, yeah. payroll comes first. Yep. But it, here it's flipped and payroll is not really lower than other places. It's actually no. higher. We have to pay them more. Right. Because they have to live here. Right. You know? Right. We got to pay big big boy and big girl salary. Right. And you can't just turn around and, and put it all on the members and say like, well, we're going to charge 40% more than the rest of the country because while New Yorkers may have a higher income, they spend a higher proportion of their income on rent. Yeah, exactly. So the money really isn't there. Right. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So you really have to understand that your floor needs to be, your floor before you start being in the black is very high. Yeah. You're going to lose money for a long time. Wow. So you really have to think about how can I maximize the space that I'm paying rent for? You know, so this new space, it's like an old Greek guy. He doesn't give a crap. Like he's not going to even survive the 20 year lease that he's giving me. Right. Because this is going to go to his kids. Right. So we have to be as vague as possible in our discussion about the lease, about what we can do with the space. Like right now I'm paying two grand a month for a billboard. Like fathom that. Right. Like fathom it for a second. It's insane. But on the side of this building, I have a huge space that faces the Brooklyn Queens Expressway and Third Avenue, which is a very busy street. So I'm going to save two grand a month there, right? right. I could charge probably 15, 1500 a month for each office, you know, right. that covers my rent. And yeah. then I lower my $2,000 marketing budget comes down every month, you know? So you really have to think about the numbers of these things. And this is like, you can't just be a good trainer and say, I'm going to open a gym. Yeah, absolutely. You just can't do that. Well, and, and I think that's like, this is what's exciting about this time. Like you and I go back and forth and like, yeah, there's been plenty of like crap days, right? Like if we're being honest, there's a lot of like really bad days. And I think people like us try and in general, put the happy face on and, you know, kind of go on about it because we signed on for this. Right. But, but I think in that same breath, 
a lot of us have learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned a lot about the type of business we want to run. We've learned how to get leaner in what we're doing. Like, look, man, when times are good, things tend to get bloated, right? Right. For for lack of a better term. Like you said, a $2,000 billboard that you're paying for or whatever, $1,000 a month on top, whatever it is, right? Like things get out of control. So I look at this as, hey, man, like there's times to expand and then there's times to contract, Right. Consolidate, consolidate, tighten things up, trim the fat. And ultimately, you end up with like a leaner, more efficient business. Right. And that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, one is a dangerous number in business, but anyone who's ever been to a diner will tell you, like, why do I need five pages of menu when, (laughs) you know, you know, I'm getting a burger and fries or like I'm getting pancakes. Right. You know, like, why do I need to? you know, sell nutrition coaching on top and have a boot, uh, boot camp program and all these things when like I need, my clients don't even have time. Yep. So I need to build nutrition in a more simple way, boil it down. You know, I'm a big like PN guy. I love PN's habit-based approach, right? Yep. That's going to work for 90% of people. Yeah. You know, so if I can include that somehow, you know, Yep. as value. So it's it's really hard when you think about diversifying because you really need to you need to take something that's very ancillary to what you're already doing. It's yep. just a slight variation to it. And I think like gyms like ours having a hybrid membership of like come train twice a month and we'll do program design with you and you go work out wherever you work out just so you can cast that wider net but it's not different than what you already do. Right. They're going to come in for sessions that you're already delivering. They're going to be using programs that you're already writing. Yep. You know? Yep. It's just a subtle um, enough tweak that it still works, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, I would love to include the group program, but like that's not going to come back to it until I hire another coach. Right. right. And if you do your numbers right, you know x amount of clients equals x amount of coaches. Right. Yep. You know, so that number is very you know, transparent. Yep. So all of us who are in the gym and or training game have have learned a thing or two about ourselves over the past six months, right? What do you think you've learned about you in the past six months? I think that I I learned that it's hard it's hard to explain. I'm a worrier, right? Like I'm <laughs> always not thinking about right now. I'm right. thinking about how the floor could fall out for me six right, months. Right. And that's just because survival has been, you know, I left my house at 17. So I've always been survival oriented. But one thing that I learned is that I have to trust myself. You know, Marcus Aurelius in the Emperor's Handbook is one of the greatest, one of the greatest like self-help type of books that yes. I've ever read. Yep. And he says like, you know, when you're going to encounter problems, you have to understand that the same brain that you have, the same mind that you have now that can brilliantly handle obstacles, you're going to have when those problems hit. Yep. So it's really about trusting yourself and being like, you know, a lot of times people look to outside for who's going to help them, you know? So eventually you have to start looking as yourself, as your keeper. Yes. You know, and the keeper of other people. When you're a leader, you need to look to yourself because those people are looking to you. If I fold, people lose their jobs. Right. If I fold, people – there's some people who won't go back to the gym. They just like our gym. Right. You know? And this this gets into something where 
I was talking about this. Do you know Ed Williams? He used to be the Con Ed director at Peak Performance. I don't think he's, so. Oh, man, you would love this guy. He's okay. so great. He's he's your age. He's in the game as long as you. Yeah. And yeah, you guys really get along. And him and I were talking the other day, and he, he brought up like our industry is one of the only industries that loses experience. Now, let me explain that. Okay. People drop out of our industry after what, four years usually? Yeah. You know, so we're talking and we're like, you know, we get people in. They're really passionate. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm talking about you because you care about education. You care about getting better. So the people that come in here all fired up in the first three, four years is when you learn the most about training. Yep. And then you just start topping your glass off with new stuff. When you drop out after four years, five years, after gaining all of this information, after gaining all this experience, we lose that experience. Our industry loses it. Right. It, it literally disappears, you know? Right. So like think of your gym as contributing to the ongoing body of research in strength and conditioning. Right. If we lose iFast, it's not replaceable. Right. Every uh, client yeah. who walks through those doors is XP for your coaches. Right. You know? Yeah. We, we can't lose it. So yeah. what I learned is to rely on myself and also think of literally every training session with every single person as experience that we're contributing to the industry. So we need to actively be there for it. There's no texting. There's no, you know what I mean? Right. So th I don't know. We're going deep on the philosophy here. But. No, no, no. I love that because <laughs> I, I've honestly never thought of it like that. Like, I don't know. You think about your parents, right? And I, I don't know about yours, mm -hmm. but like my parents did the same thing their whole life, right? Right. Mine did too. So like my dad was in astronomy for including PhD work. I don't know, 40 Damn. years, right? My mom taught horseback riding lessons for like 40 years. She's still Damn. teaching, right? Dude. So it's like, imagine all that accumulated knowledge versus like you said, hey man, I'm going to just crush it. And you become a pretty good trainer after four years and then realize, oh, I can't, I, I can't, can't make, make money. I can't, I can't live off this. I'm going to go be a firefighter or something right. like that. Like that. We hear that all the time. I can't tell you how many people start in our industry and they go into like, you know, they're a firefighter or they're a police officer. Or they do something like that. Right. It's such it's, an uphill battle to evolve our industry because look at medicine, you know, like my partner, Lucy, she always reminds me like, you know, do one and then teach one. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. kind of what they have. So they don't really lose the experience. If you stopped being a doctor after 10 years, you've already taught a bunch of doctors. Right. It's true. But we don't do that. Yeah. You know, and especially if you're uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just a singular trainer working in a gym and you don't mesh with your colleagues because you know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's lonely. Right. Yeah. Like find people, share your experiences, you know, ask questions like we need to trade. We need to trade information. Like and that's why a podcast like this where you're talking shop, like yeah. disseminating this information across so many minds is just it's incredible. I love and it. I just want to urge everyone not to not to give up on the industry. I love it, man. All right, my guy. Big question time. Yep. If you could alter the space time continuum and give young Tommy Ardito one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? It would be, it would be definitely to shut up and listen. Your clients and your circumstances will dictate invariably what it is that you need to learn. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't know I needed to learn a lot about shoulder rehab until I dislocated my shit and came to you crying. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, I didn't know I needed to learn about scoliosis until this, like, sweet old Italian lady came in and, like, everyone just kept hurting her and no one really knew why. Yes. And then I went to her with a... I went to her physical therapist appointment and like saw it for myself. Right. I didn't know I needed to learn about it, you know? So you'll, you'll care about something when it happens to you or when it happens to someone that you, you need to care about. Yeah. So shut up and listen and don't, you don't need to have a, a, a path. You may come in and want to train athletes, but like keep your, keep your ears open while you're on that path, because you might get even more specific than that within that realm. Yep. Yep. I mean, Eric talks about all the time. He wasn't necessarily going in to be the baseball guy. Right. Just kind of worked out that way. And it, yeah. I'd and say I, it's worked out I'm okay a, for him. I'm a firm believer in life that like, do what you're good at. Okay. And if your passion is something else, look, you're never, you, you'll have time to do that. You're yeah. never going to hate something that you're good at. You can never do something with such a high effectiveness and and such a good result and think i hate this right it just doesn't happen because right. there's satisfaction and literally like you know that navy seal always talks about like make your bed every day right like something simple like how how could you look back at that and be like that sucks <laughs> right you know yeah i love it man okay last but not least we've got our lightning round so four fairly short questions your mm-hmm. answers can be as long or short as you like ready right ready okay number one I'm going to tweak this slightly because you are reopened now. What was like the first thing you did when you guys reopened the gym? Oh, man. I gave out COVID elbows to literally everyone who walked through the door, you know? <laughs> just, just dropping COVID elbows. Yeah. You know, it was it was awesome to have these people back in-house. Yeah. You know, that's – I don't know what else to say. You know, it's it sucks that I can't hug everybody. That That's basically right. it. <laughs> yes, I know that feeling. Okay, number two. We talked pizza. Obviously, yep. your pizza game gets better all the time. What's your favorite pie you've created so far? Listen, I'm a simple guy, but I would I would definitely say like the classic the classic margarita. But it's it's always the ingredients that improve. Okay, you know, sourcing sourcing a certain flour from Utah. That's like the best flour I found. Mixing it with some semolina, changing mm-hmm. the fermentation schedule, getting better tomatoes you know, getting higher quality cheese from a local producer, just making the bait, just kill them with the basics. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's, that's exactly training. It's training. Oh my gosh. This is why we, this is why we vibe so hard. Right. (laughs) Like we talk about this, like, Oh, squats, push-ups, deadlifts, lunges. Like, you know, the lay person is like, Oh, that's boring to us. It's like, whatever you get better at this for 40 years. Literally the ceiling is non-existent. Yeah. You can always make it better. And like, that's why, that's why training and pizza to me, it's the same thing, man. It's yeah. the same thing. I love it. So random side note, I think my daughter, like we told them when they turn 10, they get like a trip somewhere. Like oh, yeah. we're going to do like a trip. So Kendall has been obsessed with New York. So I don't oh, know how this is going to work out because it's going to be February. But bro, if this happens, you know, I'm coming. Let's go, baby. You Let's go, coming. baby. Let's do wait. it. Yeah, I mean, and we'll, listen, I'm going to I'm going to make her a pizza she can't refuse. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Number 3. Young trainer comes to you and wants to get in the training and coaching game today, 2020, right? Mhm. What advice do you give them out of the gate? I I would I would definitely tell them to 
you know, get work, honestly, work at Globo Gym. Mm-hmm. You know, work at Globo Gym. Like I said before, keep your ears open, learn, and just do not make the same. You you just don't need to make mistakes that I made. Right. You just don't need to. And podcasts like this, you know, there's so many resources out there. Look for look for mentors who have been doing this long enough, but are still young enough that they're still going to be doing this for another 10 years. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and tap into that, you know, it, honestly, find someone who does things the way that you want them done, gets the results that you want to get and imitate until you understand it because you have a responsibility not to hurt people. And you also have a responsibility to give people what they're paying for. Love it. Love it. All right, my guy, last but not least, number four, what's next for Tommy Ardito? Listen, Brooklyn DOP is going to open its doors probably in October or maybe November, the slice shop. Yeah, Brooklyn Fitness 2.0 is going to open at the same time. It's a whirlwind of shit. And uh, twenty, yeah, 2020 slash 21 is going to be an exciting, an exciting time. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to create things that are just way bigger than me, yeah, you know, and it. that that's what's next. Create stuff that has literally nothing to do with me anymore. You know, yeah. that's just, I want to create fixtures in the neighborhood that are just look like they've been there forever. You know, it took me this entire show to think about who you remind me of in that sense. (laughs) And I finally figured it out. You know who it is? Who's that? Luca Hasavar. Who's this guy? You know Luca? Oh my gosh, I got to put you two onto each other. You guys would love each other. (laughs) He's Slovenian, right? Okay. So he's got that same like work ethic grinder. But yeah, he's trying to do the same thing in Renton, which is where he lives. It's it's like a suburb of Seattle. And he's like basically going to create an entire city block of just stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, you guys are like kindred spirits. Anyway, I'll connect you guys. You'll love each yeah. other. Look, it's it's important because it's not, I didn't get into this to be my own. Some people get into business to be their own boss, right? Let's right. be real. Right. I want to be my own boss. I want to, be, you got to just, you got to get into business because you love the work and the work, the work, the way that you want to deliver that work doesn't exist currently. If that's the, if that's the case, Get in. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think a combination of that and being utterly unemployable was was my my jumping off point. But right. Like when you when you start working places and everything about it drives you insane because you're positive there's a better way. Yeah. Look, business stuff you can always learn. You can, because I mean I didn't go to business school, but just be aware that you need to learn that you need to learn that shit fast. Yes. So find someone who you like you like Mike as a as a coach. Find someone who you like as a business coach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, too, that's why you go work at Global Gym first. Right. Right. Totally. You don't you don't go and open a gym the day you become a trainer. You, you go need to work know at, how to sell. You need yeah. to know you need to know what people are, what problems people come in with. Yep. You know what I mean? And like when you have questions, you ask Pat, right? Like Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So money, man. Tommy. Yeah. You've been great to catch up with today. Where Thanks, can my man. listeners? Great catching up. Where can my listeners find out more about you and Brooklyn Health and all that good stuff? So we have, you could follow our Instagram, Brooklyn Fitness NYC. You know, if you put yeah. in Brooklyn Fitness, it'll be, you know, it'll be pretty easy to find. My personal handle is One Tombo Nation, all spelt out, One Tombo Nation. And you'll see all my antics, <laughs> c- cigar smoking, pizzas, you know, some yeah. weights. Yeah. All that. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's, it's worth it just for the pies. 
<laughs> just 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 look at the pies and the food, man. There's actually a highlight. There's a pizza tutorial if you want to make a New York pizza. Really? I don't think there's I've seen t- that. Yeah, there's a tutorial, a 24-hour dough. You okay. can do it. Oh, you can man. do it in a home oven, baby. Oh, I might have to do that. You know? That'd be that'd be fun. I mean, you Come know, find me, slide into the DMs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know the cooking game has gotten way more legit over the last six months. That's been the side benefit I've, of all this. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen your cooking game, man. Yeah. It stepped up a lot, man. I'm pretty proud of myself. You know? Like yeah. you, you gotta get to that point where when you go out, you're disappointed. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Why am I going to Ruth Chris? Why the hell are you two hundred dollars for a meal when I can get those steaks that they get probably better, cook them myself, and everything I know where it came from. I know That's it's going to taste perfect, especially out where you live in Indy. Like yeah. I don't know on, I, what do you, do you guys have? Like you guys have butchers and stuff. Bro, like I've in got, New York, we have them all over the place. But like yeah. you guys, literally, the butcher basically in his backyard yeah. is raising the cow. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, like we've got. I can't a spot. even imagine the quality over there. It's amazing. You got to come back. You got to come I'm back gonna, and make this I'm, happen. I'm coming, man. All right. I love it, my guy. Well, Tommy, again, dude, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. This has been amazing. Thanks for having me on, man. Long time overdue. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Tommy. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, this was a ton of fun to record. He's just such an engaging guy. We vibe on a lot of different levels from food to training to entrepreneurship and i think look if you're in this space there's something in this show that you can relate to that you can connect to so if you enjoyed the show please do me a favor share it with somebody that you think would benefit from it it could be another trainer another coach it could be from somebody that wants to get into the fitness industry or it could be somebody that's thinking of getting out of the fitness industry and hopefully this show will inspire them and keep them in this game. Because like Tommy said, man, we can't keep up the attrition. We need trainers and coaches like you to stay in, not just for a year or two, but for a lifetime so we can make this industry what we need it to be. So my friend, that does it for this week's episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.